0: And welcome to episode 11 of the Actual Astronomy Podcast podcast, and these are uh, talks and conversations between myself, Chris, and Shane, and we are amateur astronomers, and the topic for this particular podcast is going
1: to be eyepieces are always looking good. Hey, Shane. Hey, Chris. So true. Yes. We've talked about eyepieces probably every single episode, and I think it's time we just dedicate a whole episode to eyepieces
0: yeah and you know people should start exploring the night sky with binoculars but eventually uh, most people who get pretty serious into astronomy uh, they're going to be buying telescopes and then they're going to be trying to buy eyepieces for those telescopes a lot of the time people tend to have uh, an easier time making up their mind about what telescope to get they put all their effort into that and then they're like great that's done but then it comes down to uh to choosing the eyepieces. So um, so what eyepieces are you currently looking forward to most using in your new telescope, Shane?
1: Uh, I would say some older orthoscopic eyepieces that I collected kind of over the last fall and winter. I am um, excited to use them for a couple of reasons. Um, they're supposed to be really good orthoscopic eyepieces, which are renowned for great contrast, uh, a lot of detail. Uh, So really good for planets, which we're having a really good planetary season coming up. So that's kind of reason one. Uh, Reason two is where we live, winter means very, very cold. Uh, So as a result of very, very cold, I really haven't used them. So I'm very curious just to see how they perform. And they should be a great match in the new telescope that I got.
0: And by and by very cold, you know, because very cold means something extremely <laughs> different for somebody who lives in Florida and somebody lives where, where we live. So uh you and I actually did one session and I'll I'll never forget this. Um it was it was registering as minus thirty degrees Celsius, which I don't know what that is in Fahrenheit, but that's pretty cold. Um and uh I was thinking, boy, like I've been outside a lot in the winter and I used to work outside in the winter and I must be getting getting really wimpy or something in my in my you know older age and uh I was really kind of sad that I could only hack it for a couple hours that night. I remember we were at somebody's farmhouse and uh and when I went home it it was registering minus forty-two. And I came to came to find out by the by the owner of that farmhouse that uh in Toyota vehicles the temperature gauge only goes down to minus thirty. So <laughs>
1: Well, and so so minus thirty Celsius is minus twenty two Fahrenheit, and then what did you say? Minus forty two. Minus forty two is what it was that Forty two centigrade is minus forty three point six Fahrenheit. Yeah,
0: so it's kind of right where right where the uh, you know the curves cross is kind of where where we're observing some of some of the time. Yeah, but it's
1: not that cold all of the time here, but that's not clear. common. <laughs> And that's exactly it. When it's clear, it's, it's, you know, probably the warmest on a clear night in the middle of January is probably going to be minus 20 to 25 Celsius, which, you know, that's negative 13 Fahrenheit. And here on the flat prairie, there's often a little breeze and that wind chill. Uh, you know, I can usually tolerate the cold, but that wind, woof Goes yeah. right through you.
0: I always say that we get out we get out there and it's and it's windy and it's that cold and you kind of give me that look like, are we crazy to be out here? And I say, at least it'll keep the bugs off. <laughs> <laughs> yep, no mosquitoes. <laughs> so uh, so Shane,
1: um what are eyepieces and how do they work? <laughs> Ooh. So the eyepiece is uh what you look through in a telescope essentially. They're they're interchangeable and they uh, essentially, they they vary your magnification. You know, from low powers to higher powers, and as you increase magnification, your field of view um, sort of subjectively shrinks in a way because you're you know you're magnifying everything, but you're increasing the size or the scale of the image that you're looking at, and uh, often darkening the background as well.
0: Yeah, and so sort of speaking of sizes, eyepieces come in in you know three, three of the most popular sizing formats, what, what are those sizes like? This is like the actual physical uh, size of the eyepiece.
1: So the common ones nowadays are one and a quarter inch barrel. So that's the diameter of the barrel and two inch. Um, two inch gives you wider field of views. Um, and then one and a quarter inch, there's probably just, I'd say there's more eyepiece, uh, variability or, or different thing, different, uh, uh, focal lengths available. And then the third one, uh, which is not as common because they're I don't think they're really made anymore, but it's 0.965 inch. Now this size of eyepiece was very common fifties, sixties and seventies. And in Japan. Uh, and, yeah. Sorry. And in Japan. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, uh, eyepiece makers have just moved on those have been that that size has been largely abandoned however there's still some outstanding old eyepieces in that size that you can find in the used market that uh, perform quite well
0: and then there's the odd three inch or, mm-hmm. or two and a half or two points you see, every once in a while there's some manufacturer that that has made or will make some sort of uh, sort of oddball sizing, but uh, but for the most part, we're talking about telescopic eyepieces. We're talking about the one and a quarter and, and the two inch. I should add, though, that I think I said this would be like a and a session, and I would send you the questions, and I never sent you the questions. So Shane is... Talking completely out of his ear on this stuff. So uh, so from we'll, the hip. we'll see how you do. But it's sort of in keeping with the show where we don't do that much prep work. You do a little bit. I shouldn't say a little bit. You do uh, all of the back end stuff. And then I'm kind of making up some questions here or there throughout the week just based on very quick discussions that we have. And then we kind of when we go live to record these, you get what you get. So if you make <laughs> a mistake, it's going to go. And then we're going right. to fix it later. Right. So, all right. You mentioned some numbers with eyepieces. Um, we've got a few different numbers on an eyepiece. So I'm holding an eyepiece here in my hand. It says, uh, MMS and AFOV. And what, what are the MMS mean first?
1: MMS are the focal length. Right. Um, so, so these foc- like
0: camera lenses cause camera lenses come in focal length too. Like you get a 55 millimeter lens.
1: Yeah. Um, in, in a, yeah, kind of, uh, in a roundabout way, I think there's some similarities there. The the millimeters indicates the focal length, the higher the number, the lower the magnification. Which so it's kind of an inverse proportion there. To,
0: to the camera lens. Yeah, because yeah. that's the thing that people always uh, get reversed when they're coming from the world of photography to the to the world of amateur astronomy. And they, they go out and buy like a, like a nice 50 or 55 millimeter focal length thinking they're gonna be looking at planets with it, and that ain't happening. It's just gonna give you super low power. I really like low power though. So, you know, I'm, I'm happy they went and did that. So the other thing that's on there is the AFOV. So what is the AFOV?
1: So that stands for apparent field of view. Good. And like, I feel
0: like I should have like a, like it's like a game show now almost <laughs> like we'll shank at these. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. See how many points I accumulate <laughs> by the end of this thing. <laughs> um, so the apparent field of view tells you how wide the field will appear when you're looking through, the eyepiece. So, a very common eyepiece that's been around for a long, long time is referred to as a plossel. And when it the the, the term plossel really is talking about well, first of all, who invented the eyepiece in this case, but it's it's referring to the the design of the lenses or the elements inside of the eyepiece. Uh, all eyepieces you look through, I guess there's a, a small caveat there, but basically 99.9% of all eyepieces out there have multiple glass elements inside of the barrel, uh, to do sorts, all sorts of different things. Uh, you know, correct the light path or cor- uh, correct the light coming through the glass. Uh, sometimes magnify it, um, provide wide field of views, provide eye relief. We'll get into all of this stuff, but, um, a PLOSL has about a 50 degree apparent field of view. And if you put in a wide field eyepiece, they can be anywhere from 68 degrees to over hundred degrees. So when you're looking at a plossal with 50 degrees and then you switch it out for something that say has a hundred degree field of view, um, the, the plossal will feel like you're looking through a straw, <laughs> uh, comparatively.
0: Yeah. And so one other way to kind of conceptualize this is, um, if you're looking straight forward, we call that, say, more or less like the zero point. And if you had a 60 degree eyepiece, you'd be able to put three fists at arm's length, sort of side by side, and go three uh, fists on one side of that straight ahead, zero point, and three fists uh, on the other side. So the 50 would be just slightly less uh, than that. So you can understand, and that's just the sort of theoretical uh, field of view but it's not the tfov so what's the tfov and how does it relate to the apparent field of view
1: well the true field of view is tfov and dang that, <laughs> hey another 100 points <laughs> um and what that refers to uh, is how much of the actual sky you're seeing in that field of view so often the apparent field of view will be a large number like 50 degrees or a hundred degrees. Uh, but your true field of view, you know, on with the widest field eyepiece on a telescope that provides the widest field views possible, you're probably only going to be able to take in seven to eight degrees of true field of view or seven to eight degrees of the sky.
0: Yeah. And that would, that would probably even be a stretch. Cause I think with my, with my 60 millimeter, f 5.9 which i got a two inch focuser for um and i use a 40 millimeter 70 degree in uh i believe the calculation is is around the seven or or 7.4 or 7.5 okay. so that and but i know there are some like some there's some f 5.5 60 mils and then i know that there's the odd um, 50 millimeter or 55 millimeter, like four and a half to f5. So yeah, probably absolute extreme limit on this is probably something around uh around that seven and a half or eight degrees. Uh, apart from some sort of custom or oddball finder, someone's giddy up with a two-inch focuser.
1: Yeah, good stuff. So, so, so what what do you got next for me? I'm, yeah, I'm ready. So, what is er Ah, yes. This is important to you and I, uh, and should be important to just about anybody that wears eyeglasses. So ER is eye relief. And what that represents is how far your eye can be from kind of the surface of the lens, or the surface of the eyepiece, uh, in order to see the entire field of view. Um, now, eyeglass wearers will typically need anywhere from 15 to 20 millimeters of eye relief and not all eyepieces have that level of eye relief. In fact, they really need to be specially designed to provide that. Um, I mentioned Plossils earlier. Plossels don't have great eye relief through an entire focal range. Uh, plossel eye relief usually almost exactly coincides with the focal length. So if you're using a 20 millimeter plossel you're probably around 18 to 20 millimeters of eye relief. But if you drop that down to say a 10 millimeter plossel you only have eight to 10 millimeters of eye relief. And for somebody who wears uh, glasses, uh, you're not going to be able to see the whole field of view and uh, it'll look constricted.
0: Yeah. So, and, and it is a bit of a challenge. So I have uh, eyes that are stigmatic. So um, almost at just about any power, um, I benefit from from wearing my glasses. Uh, unfortunately, um, and I've even tried this with the with the Pentax XO, and and I found that at a, a five millimeter eyepiece or a five millimeter eyepiece of most my instruments, um, I still get uh, you know some advantage to to wearing my eyeglasses. But uh, let's see. So there's only really a a small number of eyepieces that work really well with the glasses. Like I use the Pentax. XWs. I think you had the Vixen LVWs. I think they work well.
1: Yeah. Yeah. They work quite well. Although sometimes depending on the telescope, the eye placement was really critical and it would black out on me at a few different focal lengths, yeah. which I found fairly annoying. Uh, but the Teleview Panoptic series, um, well, yeah. I have the the 24. I've used the, I used to own the 35 and I have the 41 and all of those are fantastic with my glasses. The 24 is getting a little tight, but it's, uh, cause I think it's like, I think it's advertised as 19 millimeter, but you know, and maybe that's another sort of, you know, caveat I'll throw out there is, um, sometimes the, the manufacturer's ratings don't quite add up, you know, or they're not, they're not quite well measured because sometimes I'll find an eyepiece that is advertised at 15 millimeters of eye relief, I, you know, works great for me. Whereas some that are, Rated higher, you know, closer to twenty millimeters. I find tight.
0: The the only ones that I've seen that are that give this um, like pretty magical eye relief are the are the Pentax XWs, um, and they're sort of like a, you know, not a super expensive eyepiece these days. They used to be seen as more expensive, but lots of other eyepieces have have been released. Um, but a, but apart from those, you're really looking at something like. The Teleview Delights, which are a 60 degree apparent field of view eyepiece, the Pentax being a 70. And then uh, Teleview has also released uh, the Delos, which are a 72 degree. Um, Though my understanding is the eye relief on those, uh, and I've never looked through one, is uh, maybe not not the same uh, way it is with the Delight and and the and the Pentax. Uh, and then everything else is a little bit of a of a mixed bag. I know Explorer Scientific has a couple of really expensive eyepieces that get great reviews for eye relief. Um, I've got the doctor or the noble X, uh, millimeter, which is a one-off eyepiece. And there, there's some others sort of here and there, but as far as, you know, those lines that, uh, that people might really be able to look at and trust in that, that are going to have it is, is pretty much limited to, uh, to those, uh, Pentax and, uh, and uh, the teleview, uh, delight, maybe, maybe the Delos, uh, not, I'm not so sure about those, but, uh, but that's kind of like it. But so do you wear glasses when you observe now, Shane, like at those high powers you were using in your
1: refractor? I go, I go back and forth a little bit. Um, so I do have an astigmatism, although in my dominant observing eye, uh, my astigmatism in that eye is very minor. So, you know, I can get away without glasses and uh, I'm able to just to adjust the focuser to accommodate my, my nearsightedness. I, I hate taking my glasses off when we're under a dark sky because I'm often going between a star chart and the eyepiece and to, you know, put my glasses on and take them off drives me crazy. So they. They just stay on and that's it. Um, When I'm looking at planets, I don't mind taking my glasses off to use the orthoscopics. And orthoscopics are very similar to plossals. The eye relief on them uh, almost nearly matches the focal length. So when you get into some higher powers, the eye relief is very short and and you have to have your eyeball uh, pretty close to the glass in order to see the whole field of view. Now, with that being said, I've kind of become accustomed to looking through these with my glasses, even though it's a narrow field of view. Um, It's still perfectly observable and there's nothing wrong with it. It's just, you know, you're not going to see a a great expanse through the eyepiece.
0: Well, and a lot of these, like the Pendex XO, like I find it the same now it has some eye relief. I do have the Pentax XP, which has no eye relief and it, it's not possible to see much of anything until you take glasses off. But, you know, I'm with you, but by the time you're into these 40 degree fields of view, it's pretty small anyway. And you just want to make sure you, you line it up and forget your tracking working. And then you can, uh, you know, you can enjoy that, that view anyway, and just kind of, kind of sit back. But I, I actually don't mind removing my glasses. Um, really because I, I have really good, um, nearsightedness. Um, so when I, when I lay in bed and read a book or when I'm, you know, doing work, um, that's not on a computer, um, like on my desk that, that, uh, doesn't require wearing glasses for me, I'm, I'm fine up to about 18 inches. out. you know, it's like, my vision is totally good. It's just the, the farsightedness. So, uh, however, I do notice like when I'm, you know, even at the highest powers that I use, I uh, I, I I really can't uh, seem to get quite as sharp an image without my glasses uh, as I can with my glasses, but I don't know. It could just be because my eyes are tired at night, you know, and who knows? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So that's eye relief. So eye relief is really important for people who wear glasses um, and need to wear them. Some people don't mind taking their glasses on and off. um, But if you do need to, to wear glasses while you observe and and I do find it more comfortable just to leave my glasses on and observe than those Pentax XWs. Um, they really, they really take the cake, I think. But there's lots of other eyepieces, and it's fun to experiment. I haven't seen or heard of too many like 80 plus degree. I think, uh, like I said, Explore Scientific has a couple 90 degrees that work without glasses or that work with glasses. Um, but I've tried some of the 80 degrees that work or are supposed to work with glasses. TeleVue has the Type fours and they're okay. Um, they've only got like a 12, 17, and a 22. I tried some other brands that have 80 degrees that are supposed to work with glasses. They didn't, I wouldn't recommend them. Um, so really you're sticking around that 60 to 70 degree uh, zone. And then as far as I know, none of the hundred degrees work with glasses. You're no, no. You're, a
1: lot of those are about 10 millimeters of eye relief. So they're quite tight and there's no sense getting a hundred millimeter eyepiece. If you, if you have to wear your glasses when observing, cause you're not going to see that hundred degree uh, field of view.
0: Yeah, exactly. And, you know that's kind of something that is a little bit difficult uh, for people for people to understand. So yeah, good. So coatings. Let's talk about optical coatings for for a second. What can you tell us about eyepiece
1: coatings? So all eyepiece manufacturers now use some form of coatings. Uh, usually, uh, uh, you'll see designations like MC or FMC. Uh, MC stands for multi coated. Uh, FMC stands for fully multi-coated. Um, so if you see an MC, um, badging, that means that again, uh, there, there's multiple lenses or glass elements within the eyepiece. Multi-coated means some of it has got coatings on it. Probably not all of the surfaces fully multi-coated would indicate all surfaces are coated. Um, and what these coatings do is try to control like stray light um, essentially they're just trying to improve the view and, and increase the amount of light that passes through all of that glass. And, uh, coatings do help and coatings are very important and not all coatings are applied equally or as effective. Yeah. That makes
0: sense. For sure. And that's one thing like I noticed with, with a more expensive eyepiece, like you're going to get those really good. I think they're AR coatings and, uh, they really, really give you this, this nice transmission. And the inexpensive coatings, on the other hand, you'll get like reflections sometimes. You'll get like bounce back of light, um, you know, different sort of strange uh, optical effects. So,
1: Well, sometimes too, even with like a, a poor, poor coatings or a cheaper eyepiece, uh, you may put that in the telescope and think that the seeing isn't very good out because you can't get a tight focus on, say, the moon. Uh, but putting in a an eyepiece of greater quality may all of a sudden improve the conditions. So it's not the conditions, it's the eyepiece.
0: <laughs> yeah. And you and I have even run that against uh, different telescopes and found out that the better optics you have, it's almost like your seeing magically improves, right? You know, it's, Absolutely. Yeah, it, it's sort of a funny thing, you know, like people often think that you're not uh, maybe getting you know, so much for, for the extra dollars, but that is sort of one of the magical properties of better optics, better wave correction, better wave correction does translate to, um, you know, less influence of any kind of disruption in, in the, in the night sky. So um, yeah, we've, we've definitely run that experiment. What about old eyepieces? You actually mentioned some, some older eyepieces here. So I kind of know your, your preference on this and I've got some old eyepieces too. And you know, are old eyepieces just as good as the new ones.
1: Uh, yes and no, if that uh, is an acceptable answer. I don't know if that sure. scores me the points or not, but, <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, some older eyepieces again, they, they usually come in a barrel diameter of 0.965 inches. And I'd say that there's probably, you know, three main ones, but there's many more out there, but the three main ones that you'll come across would be uh, of any quality that I'll speak with, uh, would be the, the Huygens, the orthoscopics and Kellner's. Um, so the Huygens are usually designated like with a, like if it's a 25 millimeter eyepiece, it would be like a 25 H or H 25. Kellner uses a K and the orthos have an O. And, um, they can be quite good, uh, depending on who made them and the care that was taking, taken during that process. Um, now particularly the Huygens and the, uh, the Kellners, typically get a bad rap in the astronomy world because a lot of these were cheaply made and packaged with cheap telescopes. So if anybody ever used one, they said that's garbage. I'm moving on to something better, like a Plossel. Um, however, like if you, uh, I have some Carl Zeiss, Jenna, uh, Huygen eyepieces, uh, 25 and 16, I think. And, uh, I have some Takahashi Kellner's, um, And one night I ran a little experiment between a a 25 millimeter uh, Carl Zeiss Jenna Huygen with a 25 millimeter Takahashi Kellner with another 25 millimeter uh, Takahashi uh, MC Ortho. Um, And they were all fantastic on Axis. Uh, in fact, on axis, as good or better than many modern eyepieces. Uh, so on axis would mean kind of like in the sweet spot or in the middle of the eyepiece. Uh, the the clarity, the contrast, they were just fantastic. Um, where they started to break down, though, were in some of the other categories. Uh, the Huygens has very poor eye relief, even at 25 millimeters. So, um, you know, wearing my glasses was kind of a challenge and the field was very narrow, uh, the field of view. The Kellner a little bit better, uh, in terms of the size of the field of view and a little bit better in terms of the eye relief, but then the orthoscopic blew them away with those other categories, you know, better, uh, better eye relief, able to see the entire field of view. Uh, and it was a wider field of view, um, and, and sharp across the entire field. Whereas the Huygens and the, uh, uh Kellner break down a little bit towards the edges. Um, now, So overall, I preferred the orthoscopic, but again, on axis, they were all outstanding. And I've read some reports and I've, I've tried to, I've done limited testing. So, you know, I need to do a little bit more, but uh, some people uh, say that the Huygens eyepiece was specifically designed for long focal length, achromatic telescopes to reduce the color or the chromatic aberration that you would see through the eyepiece. So kind of an interesting thing. Uh, Yeah. Yeah.
0: Cool. So, what's your favorite eyepiece uh,
1: to use in general?
0: That's you a tough you one. pick.
1: You pick. Yeah, I'm I'm going to break that into two categories because um, I think there's two types of observing. That, at least for me, you know, there's going to be observing where I really like to use some magnification um, or or stuff for like say the moon or the planets. But then if I'm under a dark sky, I like a wider field of view. Um, so if I'm under a dark sky, I'm probably going to be uh, using my 30, uh, thirty-one millimeter Nagler. Um, I think the field of view is what is that, eighty-eight degrees on those, or eighty-two yeah. or eighty. Naglers I don't know.
0: and Naglers are uh, eighty-two, but typically they're they're just under.
1: Okay, yeah, that one for my wide field dark sky observing. um, The eye relief is perfect. It's got a beautiful wide field, but You know, it gives you some, a little bit of magnification compared to some other wide fields that help darken the background and and tease out a little more detail. Um, If I'm using, um, or sorry, if my targets are, you know, more of a solar system variety where I, I want a little more power and contrast, I'm probably going to reach for, I don't know, you know, a nine millimeter orthoscopic, probably my Pentex SMC. Uh, another great eyepiece that I use a lot is my Leica zoom. Um, you know, it has a focal length ratio or sorry, a focal length range from like 17.9 millimeter down to, I think 8.9 millimeter. So you can quickly just rotate the eyepiece to change the magnification and and dial it into exactly what the local conditions will allow in terms of seeing. Mm, Cool.
0: So How many eyepieces do you own? <laughs> that's like I the hardest is, question. Yeah. Yeah. Someone so, dumped him.
1: <laughs> yeah. So for the longest time, I really only owned like four or five eyepieces. Um, so I, I have a 41 millimeter panoptic, optic, 31 millimeter Nagler, the Leica zoom. And uh, then I, I acquired a five millimeter, uh, Nikon, um, uh, nav eyepiece just for a little more power. But then, like I mentioned, I've been collecting these orthoscopics of, uh, you know, an older vintage since probably last fall and within the orthos, they go from 25 millimeter to 2.8. And in between, gee, there has to be eight to 10 eyepieces in that range.
0: Wow. Yeah. yeah. Cool. So how many eyepieces do you think somebody needs to own or what's the most useful number of eyepieces to own?
1: I, I think three is, is a, is a, a great, a number of eyepieces to have. And it doesn't matter if you're a beginner or somebody that is into this for a long time. Cause you know, Chris, when you and I go out observing uh, to a dark site, how often would we change out an eyepiece?
0: Yeah. Like sometimes I observe all night just with one eyepiece in.
1: O- often I don't change it at all. Right. Um, maybe once or twice, um, in a night we'll put in, something that's a higher power from a low power, but typically we stay with the low power and away we go. So I don't think you need a lot of eyepieces. What is usually recommended in a lot of books, and I agree with this, is get a low power eyepiece that provides you the widest field of view that your telescope can accommodate and then that your wallet can accommodate. Mm -hmm. Um, The wide field eyepiece helps you locate objects because it gives you that wider field of view. Then, kind of a medium power eyepiece. So maybe I'll back up here. A wide field eyepiece is probably going to be in that 30 millimeter focal length. uh, Whether it's a 32 millimeter Plossel, that's an inch and a quarter or something in the two inch variety. Um, Then you want something that's probably mid power, something in that, uh, I don't know, I'd say maybe 15 to 20 millimeter focal uh, length. And then a higher power eyepiece, like maybe around 10 millimeter. Now, This is a very general recommendation. It also depends on your type of telescope. Um, you know, if you have a Cassegrain telescope with a really long focal length that changes your eyepiece formula a little bit. Uh, but if you have, uh, you know, refractors or Dobsonians, um, you can get away with what I just stated. Cool.
0: So, uh, you know, what what would we recommend? I guess like, I mean, a lot of the time I use a 40 millimeter, I'm using like F, six to f10 uh, instruments and like i i think like something in the 40 millimeter range the 30 to 40 and then a 10 and i have a 1.6 times barlow which makes my 10 work more like uh something around like a six and a quarter and then i use uh, an inexpensive uh 4.7 millimeter ultra wide angle and that's kind of like the the sort of four powers that uh that I, I keep on, keep on tap. And I've kind of read as much like where people say, like, get something that's really low power, whatever that means for your instrument. A lot of my instruments, you know, they can run as low as eight power, 18 power around 20 odd power. And then, uh, you know, that's low power. And then you want something around 50 um, power that gives you that, that next bump up, that nice hundred power. Like we were talking in the last uh, episode about uh, you observing and you found you were kind of maxing out the sky even at 100 power, uh, and then the next power up uh, somewhere between like 125 and 100 160 is going to max out like generally what we consider to be uh, pretty good nights. So um, you know that's one, two, three, say four, maybe a max of of five powers. So you know people can either use uh, you know three or four eyepieces in a Barlow or or five eyepieces. Uh, you know, and I th- I think that just what gives you gives you the nicest uh, selection of, of powers. So, yeah. And,
1: and, and, you know, a general rule that a lot of people follow as well when evaluating what is the highest power eyepiece I should have is uh, usually 50 times per inch of aperture is what your telescope will allow. So you do that math and then figure out what focal length will get you there.
0: Yeah. And, you know, as well, like, you know, a lot of the time people will buy that sort of higher power eyepiece, but um, much of the time you won't be able to use it. So it's going to be those sort of in-between powers. And typically most instruments are going to be able to take that hundred power. Um, I kind of think that if you can't get a hundred power out of an instrument, you know, you probably just shouldn't be using that instrument. I'm having trouble getting a hundred power out of that 80, uh, even though it's an acromat and a hundred dollar telescope, I know that your your fine hands are going to be able to, to turn that into a, a polished gem, you know. So. <laughs> So I think yeah I I don't know what you scored I stopped keeping track but I think you you got pretty close to 100 percent if not 100 percent the only one that stumped you was how many eyepieces you own
1: oh, yeah uh, that's
0: kind of that that was your your hang up there today so any other any other comments that you want to make on on eyepieces I think they're they're a lot of fun to have I I don't have a whole set of everything or anything uh, I am close with the Pentax XWs I just need a five. And I don't have the 30, I have everything else. Um, I don't think I'm gonna get the 30, but I think I'm probably gonna get the five, unless you, you really convince me that the uh Nikon uh SW five millimeter is, is a sock blowing eyepiece, then maybe I would I would be convinced. So
1: yeah, the the only other thing that I think I can mention right now is um there's, there's another factor with eyepieces, uh, particularly if you're a refractor user like you and I, um, and that's the weight of the eyepiece. Um, if you are going to be um, switching eyepieces throughout the course of the night, um, if you go from a heavy eyepiece to a light eyepiece or you know, a two inch to an inch and a quarter, you're probably going to run into some balance issues with your telescope on your mount, which means you have to readjust the telescope. And it, it's not impossible and it's not that hard, but it is a little bit of a pain And as a result, um, that's one of the reasons why when we're in a dark sky, I often just leave the big Nagler in there because to switch that out for something else causes all sorts of other, you know, adjustments that need to be made. Um, but it's also why I'm starting to really like these orthoscopic eyepieces. Um, you know, I can go from 25 millimeter orthoscopic down to the 2.8 and it's virtually the same weight of eyepiece across the whole, you know, gambit of ranges and it doesn't require me to balance, rebalance the telescope at all. And, uh, I, I definitely give up that wider field of view, but for the planetary observing, uh, I don't need it. And it just, again, it, it removes some of that factor, uh, that takes you away from actually observing, you know, cause you're messing around with the equipment and that's not what you go outside to do. You go outside to look through the eyepiece.
0: Yeah. And, uh, you know, just on, on that, like with my, with my setups here now and I'm trying to kind of get them more geared towards planetary, especially with all this being at home, uh, and then uh, trying to look at planets quite a bit. Um, I do, I think I need a different, uh, one and a quarter inch wide. I have a 21 and a quarter that has 70 degrees, but I'd really like to get like the full, uh, maximum field of view for kind of, uh using my my telescope as a finder because I'm typically using undriven mounts. So, you know, just to have that that finding capability in a one and a quarter without having swapped. Like the Pentax 40 is pretty heavy. I use a really lightweight 30 millimeter wide field. Um, and it's good for just kind of getting things in the field. But I think I'd benefit maybe from having uh some something a little bit uh a little bit different there for for my finder when you here using the panoptic. So I think I might get a used eyepiece. I've been looking around for a used one and, um, you know, it's lots of good used eyepieces out there. Not everything has to be bought new and, you know, a lot of uh, amateur astronomers take care of their equipment. So, but that's sort of, that's sort of to come. Uh, but yeah, my favorite planetary eyepiece is the Pentax 3.5. I think that is just amazing and uh, can be used with glasses. Next to that, the Pentax 5.1XO is is really nice, but uh, small field of view and um, you know, tight eye relief mean glasses are out, but I still have it. And that's kind of my, you know, ultimate planetary no glasses eyepiece. And I have my ultimate planetary eyepiece glasses on. So I feel like I'm kind of well covered on, on that end of the spectrum.
1: Yeah, for sure. And you know, you mentioned earlier too about an undriven mount and when you, when you have a mount that doesn't have motors to track the sky, it is nice to have that wide field of view because you're not, you're not having to nudge the telescope the entire observing session. You can position the telescope so that the planet typically or whatever object is on one side of the field of view and you can just let it drift across and actually observe it without having to keep nudging the telescope. So that's uh, you know a great reason to have a 80 degree field of, I- field of view eyepiece versus a 40 degree field of view eyepiece uh, that an orthoscopic provides.
0: All right. Well, thanks so much, Shane. Um, I think we're probably good there. I think we're at about time, and uh, you know, appreciate everybody listening. I checked uh, while well, we were at a break between recordings. We recorded podcast ten and podcast eleven this afternoon, and I noticed we we're at about uh, well, we we're at one hundred and forty nine downloads. So I guess people are listening to this, which is which is really cool. Really appreciate people downloading it. And, uh, yeah, so thanks so much for all those that have been downloading and listening to this. And we're going to keep trying to make these, uh, you know, on a, on a one or two per week basis where we have uh, a general chat and then we have uh, a focused topic in the next one. All right. So thanks so much. We'll talk to you soon, Shane.
1: Thank you. See you later.